The latest tips and equipment to improve your game. The latest from the leaderboards and your favorite courses. This is Golf in the Northwest, an action-packed hour about everything golf. Now, here's your host for Golf in the Northwest, Jason Swigard. And a fine good morning to you all. Hey, it's not raining. The sun came out. It was gorgeous yesterday afternoon. Hopefully, you were able to get out at least to the practice round, start to dust off the uh, the rust and uh, get things going. Hopefully, you have a tea time today uh, because rain is uh, right around the corner again coming Sunday for the better part of another week. It's been a, uh, a rough start to the, uh, the posting season here in the Northwest. It goes till Thursday. Is that correct? What? It goes till Thursday. Rain? Yeah. Looking like it. Sunday till Thursday. That's yeah. what my wife told me. My wife is a uh, human weather meter. She oh, there like you go. two different apps on her phone, and she's always uh, watching it. Yeah. And I, I I get nervous about how far out to project with, uh, with the particular model app that uh, my widget uses. But, uh, widget? The widget. Uh, however, yes, it's going to get wet and damp again, which is why uh, we're actually going to have a tip segment today. Um, I said, we, I, I got to figure out how to use this. Like if you're, if you live in the Northwest and you play golf regularly, you are going to play in the rain. You have rain gear. Um, you hope it is not frigid cold as it's been. I think that's been the biggest deterrent. It's one thing if it's wet and it's 60 degrees and it's, you know, that Northwest kind of drizzle, but it doesn't really keep you from doing anything. It's another thing when it's 42 degrees and it's breezy and you're just freezing. But Jared Lambert is the uh, head pro out at Astoria Golf and Country Club, born and raised here, grew up in central Oregon, uh, went out, tried to make it on the uh, the mini tours for a little bit, and then came back as a club professional, started out over in some of the resorts and courses in central Oregon, and has come to the coast. But he's going to join us. I believe he is down uh, the uh, big pro-am for the, uh, the local chapter of uh, – PGA pros this week down at Bandon rough life. Uh, so he's down there playing. We'll find out one, how he is playing, how's Bandon doing, but two, how to go ahead and use the, the wet weather and the conditions, uh, to try to practice. We saw that, you know, kind of watching the masters and how crappy the weather was for three days before it let up on Sunday and they were able to have the, the finish. And we saw John Rahm win his second major, but you know, they kept talking to caddies and every ball, their analysts about, okay, ball's not going to travel as far, how to make adjustments, get your numbers right, all that stuff. Well, for, I mean, the conditions are the same if you're a 18 handicap out there, definite, but we don't have three coaches and a track man and everything else. So how do you go out there? How do you understand what sort of adjustments to make um, in assessing what clubs to pull? Uh, also, what the wet grass will do, you know, to your swing, how to judge how it lands, you know, on greens, on fringe areas, um, what what the difference in playing out of a bunker in wet sand versus dry sand, all of those sorts of things. So what uh, would you rather be a golf pro mm-hmm. at a club? Yes. Or a broadcaster on tour? Oh, a broadcaster on tour. Really? Yeah. Now, I'm saying golf pro to club, meaning you have all the skills necessary, meaning your game has now right, I understand jumped that. to whatever. No, 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 no. 
uh, I, people don't, it's like people who go, wow, I'd love to be on the radio and they don't understand all the behind the scenes stuff that goes on and all the prep and all the nonsense that mm. goes on. Same thing for a club pro or a head pro at a club. You find out how little they actually do get to play golf and they're actually required to play golf. <laughs> they have yeah. to play in a number of those pro-am and tournaments uh, to to retain their designation as a as a PGA pro. No, I would take the uh, cushy uh, charters and being a broadcaster on the tour. I'd take that any day of the week, and I think most club pros. Would. Uh, see, I didn't know that. I yeah. didn't know it was one of those things. It's there's a lot of behind the scenes. It's a lot of fourteen, fifteen, sixteen hour days. Especially when you, especially if you're in a place like the Northwest where you have a designated season. Hmm. It's so, um, and then in the off season, you're trying to work with your superintendents to make sure you keep the course up. Uh, you got to worry about the pro shop. Uh, if you're at a club that, um, you know, has some pretty active men's and women's clubs, you're constantly helping them, you know, regripping clubs and doing all of those sorts of things, giving lessons. It's it's long days. They they earn their money, no question. Now, do you think this is a question we should ask Jared? Uh, sure. We can we can let that up. Yeah. Yeah. Just see what Hopefully. he does. He's going to join us at 8:45. At 8:15, not sure if it's been on your radar, but uh the uh, Oregon women's golf team has been ranked in the top 10 almost all season long. I think they're eighth right now, but they are preparing and they start on Monday down in Arizona to defend their Pac-12 championship. They won for the first time a season ago. Uh, they had two of their players play in the Augusta uh, National Women's Amateur uh, Tournament, and they both made the cut, got to play at Augusta on that Saturday. They had another one of their players uh, based on uh, a tournament back in February, placing second. She won a sponsor's exemption into the LPGA event a couple of weeks ago down in Los Angeles. So uh, extremely skilled group. They finished runner-up to Stanford last year at the NCAA Championships, and they are trying to make a run. That starts this week. So head coach Derek Radley going to join us coming up at 8.15. Uh, talk about the program that he has uh, taken to the next level after uh, joining it after an assistant. He was an assistant at Arizona where they won a national championship and trying to recreate that formula here for the Oregon Ducks. So uh, uh, great chat with him. He's also going to be the uh, coach uh, for the U.S. women on the Arnold Palmer Cup team, which is a uh, Solheim Cup, Ryder Cup-style tournament for the top collegiate players in the country. So he'll be doing that this summer as well. So excited to talk to him. Uh, we'll do a little bit of business. Uh, the PGA Tour released their revamped fall schedule uh, for 2023. So they're kind of shrinking it down. Uh, but bigger opportunities uh, in there for the players trying to improve their uh, eligibility status, their exemption status uh, after the FedEx Cup playoffs. So, And then we're still waiting for that 2024 schedule to see how everything is going to look um, next year. Talk a little bit about these designated events as well. That came up as Rory backed out of the RBC Heritage, even though it's a designated event, cost himself potentially $3 bucks. Is he shrugging his shoulders? Certainly, Roy's got opportunity to make $3 bucks a lot of places, so nobody's uh, crying over that. But 
what does the PGA Tour need to look at with these? John Rahm had an interesting exchange uh, with a reporter. So let's uh, not waste any more time. Let's get inside the ropes. It's time for an insider's look at the leaderboards. The latest on all tours, plus local golf events and golf news. This is Inside the Ropes, part of Golf in the Northwest. Three tours we are following this week after the Masters of the Corn Ferry Tour back in action. They are at the Texas Rangers Golf Club in Arlington, Texas for the Veritex Bank Championship. Uh, it is a par 71, just over 7,000 yards. Kind of a short course, uh, really, when you think about it, uh, for that tour. They got some bombers there. Uh, but Brett Druitt of Australia is your leader right now, 12 under par. Uh, he is uh, a winner, but it's been a while since he won on the Corn Ferry Tour. He's been up and down between the PGA Tour a couple of times. Uh, one in 2016, uh, looking to get back. And then Ben Coles uh, at 11 under par. He is the current points leader for the Corn Ferry Tour, looking to uh, further distance himself there. The winner of the Corn Ferry Tour points race is totally exempt for the following season for every event on the PGA Tour. And then Sam Saunders, grandson of the uh, of Arnold Palmer, he's in third at 10 under par. Our local player, Alistair Doherty, uh, back in action this week, did not make the cut, had a rough day in round two, four over. He misses the cut at plus three, so he's projected to drop to around 90th, uh, needs to uh, get it back together, get himself a, a big finish, but I know he is uh, feels like he's really close. Uh, of course, you can go back to the podcast at uh, 1080thefan.com. We had him on a few weeks ago and uh, caught up with him, see where his game was. LPGA Tour uh, continuing its sort of West Coast swing. They're actually in Hawaii this week for the Lotte Championships. They are playing uh, the course at Hawakale uh, at Iwa Beach in Oahu, about a half hour out of Honolulu. Par 72, 6,367 yards. And uh, sponsor's exemption, Yujin Song is your leader. Nine under par. She's 22. She plays on the Korean LPGA Tour uh, and has been sharp. Open 68-68, held on to a one-shot lead at nine under par over Grace Kim, who's a rookie, Georgia Hall, uh, the veteran. Her last win, 2020, here in Portland, looking for her third win on tour. And then Linnea Strom, who's the graduate from the Epson Tour, eight under par. That will finish up here uh, in primetime on Golf Channel. And they do a Wednesday to Saturday because next week is their first major of the season. Uh, it is the Chevron. They're playing it in Texas for the first time. So we'll focus a little bit more on the LPGA Tour next week. Uh, first event, they've moved it from where they used to play the old Dinosaur Nabisco uh, ANA at Mission Hills. And so this will be a, a brand new foray for them. But they're very excited about it. Uh, a good prep for that so you can follow that tonight pga tour it's typical spot after the masters they go to hilton head at harbortown the rbc heritage and uh, what a story jimmy walker at age 44 trying to come back he has battled uh, with more issues recently than maybe most guys on tour uh, he won the 2016 PGA Championship. He was having one of those uh, kind of breakthrough seasons. He'd won six times. Looked like he was poised to maybe win another major. Just went on of those hot streaks that we see guys get on for a couple of years on the PGA Tour. But then he came down with Lyme disease. 
He was uh, diagnosed with two different kinds of bacterial uh, pneumonia, mononucleosis, just a whole history. And he took two to three years just working, battling all of those uh, different illnesses, trying to get himself back healthy. And about the time he did, COVID hit. And so he didn't have much status. He was trying to play on medical exemptions, uh, using some past uh, winter exemptions to get into tournaments, was just about ready to hang it up. Uh, And then all these guys defected to the live tour, left. And so this past season, he went from 59th on the career earnings list to 50th, 50th or 49th. And the top 50, there are exemptions uh, and eligibility status if you are in the top 50 all-time of career earnings. He was able to get into that and uh, had an exempt card for this season, talked to his family, decided to go for it. Lo and behold, there he is at 12 under par leading the RBC Heritage. And uh, he, he was asked about that in the post-round media, just how close he was uh, to, to giving it up and what it means for him, how hard he had to work to come back and get himself in position to win again on the PGA Tour. Since getting sick, mentally and physically feel different damn near every day. And that's been the hardest part. The things that I work on one day, I, I can't feel it the next day. And, um, you know, some days I'll get two days out of it. So that's been the hardest part. And it's, it, that's what drove me away was I can't keep, I can't get the same feels day in and day out. And that's what you need out here to play well is to have a feeling of it's the same. And I can rely on that today. And I haven't had that. You know, I've, I've had so much belief in myself that I can't really let go and do that very well. I wish I could, but, I mean, I really want it. You know, I'm out here, and I really want it, and I want it bad. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I have been really tough on myself, and I've had so many people say, you know, give yourself a break, and, but it's been tough, and it's, it's hard to do. Easy to say, hard to do, for sure. So he will have uh, a lot of people rooting for him, one of the more popular players on tour. He's 12 under par, three shots clear of Scotty Scheffler, Justin Rose, and Xander Shoffley. They're going low again today. Keegan Bradley, low round on the course here in the early starters. He's six under through 13, eight under for the tournament, now four back. So if uh, Jimmy can keep it in the fairway, uh, very different course from Augusta. Narrow fairways, a lot of dog legs, a lot of uh, waste areas. Uh, water to worry about. So if you can put it in the fairway, it's not a long course, and so that will help him. Uh, a lot of people rooting for him. We'll talk about the schedule, the designated events. We'll hear from John Rahm. A lot of people surprised maybe that he went and played after winning the Masters. We'll do that at the bottom of the hour. But coming up next, excited to talk to the head coach of the Oregon women's golf team, Derek Radley, when we return. Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan. <laughs> This is Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan. Welcome back into Golf in the Northwest. Uh, the weather may be finally relenting uh, here as it has been uh, a rough, rough start to the spring for people wanting to get out there. Uh, but right now, joining us on the line, so pleased to have the head coach of the women's golf program down in Eugene at the University of Oregon, 
now in his fifth season, Derek Radley on the line, uh, getting ready for the Pac-12 championships and what you hope is another run to an NCAA uh, championship match. But good morning and uh, welcome in. It's so glad to talk to you. Appreciate it, Jason. Thanks so much for having me on the show and uh, certainly appreciate all the support for our Lady Ducks. Well, and, and quite a program that you've got uh, built up now in your fifth season after being an assistant for so many years at Arizona. Uh, you came off the best season in school history last year, getting to the championship match and finishing runner-up to Stanford. Uh, you've got a great roster of players, but maybe uh, for people that aren't as familiar with the program, just kind of what's been your philosophy in building this up uh, since taking over in 2018? Yeah, it's, um, you know, the, the very fortunate for my time at the University of Arizona in 2018, I was the assistant coach there and uh, we won the national championship. So uh, just seeing what, what that took um, I, and what that required uh, from, from our players there. And, um, you know, when I accepted the, the job here in Eugene, obviously the athletic um, department across the board has had so much success. And so um, I remember taking tours of the facilities meeting Rob Mullins, all the support staff here. Um, obviously, it's a, it's a, we have a winning tradition. And so it was an easy yes for me. My wife, Sarah, and I, we moved up uh, to Eugene in 2018. And, and that was the goal, was, was to really try to, try to build a championship team to get to where uh, we were when I was at University of Arizona. So uh, bringing on our assistant coach, Monica Vaughn, uh, is a huge, huge reason uh, as to why we've had been able to have so much success. Monica, um, if some of you don't know, uh, is originally from Reedsport. Um, so she's an Oregonian. And Monica played her college golf at Arizona State. So we were actually big rivals when I was the assistant coach. I tell people all the time that she was my least favorite player to coach against because she <laughs> beat us all the time. <laughs> but Monica was ranked 10th in, in the world her senior year. And, uh, she won the individual national championship in 2017 uh, and the Arizona state sun devils won as a team in 2017. So won Arizona state and then Arizona. So uh, we felt like we brought a lot of championship experience here and it's been fun to build. Well, and you come off a runner up season uh, last year. And for those that maybe don't follow collegiate golf until it gets to the, to the championship rounds, it's a split season. So there's not much off season, uh, a lot of players are, are going to play in tournaments. Maybe they can get a sponsor exemption somewhere or trying to qualify for the U.S. Women's Amateur, uh, some of the other team events uh, going on. So there's not much of an offseason. You're right back at it in the fall. Uh, what were the expectations coming in? How did that factor into the start of the season? And, and kind of a little bit how difficult it is to manage a season that pretty much goes all year round. Yeah, I mean, golf is, uh, it, it does. We're really the only sport that competes in both the fall and in the spring in a, in a team environment. I think tennis does, uh, but in the fall they compete individually. So it's, it's a lot. And, you know, obviously you're, you're comparing what you did last year, but still knowing this is a brand new year. And we got to give it our best effort to be the very best team that we can be. Uh, a couple of our, our All-Americans, our, our recent uh, graduate last year, Heather Lynn, uh, from Taiwan, she really led the team, and she turned pro and is having a lot of success on the Epson Tour. And then Sophie Kibsgard Nielsen, who was a two-time All-American from a, uh, for us from Denmark, is having success on the Ladies European Tour right now. So both of them are playing professional. So we brought some newbies in with 
but it's still understanding that this is what we built. Um, you know, we have three returners from last year's team that are really kind of taking over and stepping in that leadership role. But, uh, you know, our goal is just to try to stay in the present, right. And, and not get too ahead of ourselves and do the very best we can. And I think we've done a great job of that up until this point. Well, there was a little bit of break um, in there, and we saw some of those, uh, you know, frontline players for you. Cynthia Liu and Brianna Chacon uh, both made the cut at the Augusta National uh, Women's Amateur and got to play Augusta on uh, on the Saturday there. And then uh, Ching Tzu Chen, uh, with her performance at uh, the Ohio State Tournament early in the year, qualified, got a sponsor's exemption on the LPGA Tour in the DO implant LA open. Those were both the same week. So how exciting was it for you as a coach to see all of your players complete competing in those events? And what are some of the lessons? How do you think that's going to help them now that you make your run here with the PAC 12 championships coming up here in a few days? Yeah. So just so proud. I mean, you know, this, this was the fourth year of the Augusta national women's amateur. Um, it's the top 72 female amateur golfers in the world that get an invite to play Augusta national the week before the masters last year, Cynthia Liu and Brianna Chacon received that invite. They represented us for the very first time we had ducks there. I went, uh, I actually caddied for Brianna last year, walked in the sacred ground. I mean, it's incredible. Um, and they both missed the cut last year. So they learned, I think some valuable lessons and their number one goal was to make the cut this year. And they did, but on that Saturday, you know, it's there. There's, uh, I think it was April second. There's twenty five thousand fans at Augusta National that are there watching and cheering on women's golf. I mean, I had tears in my eyes. It's incredible. Um, so just so proud. They both made the cut. Cynthia finished, I think, tied for fifth, and Brianna was like tied for twenty fifth. Um, I think that gave them a lot of confidence, knowing they can compete. Um, not only at Augusta National, one of the toughest tests around, but also against the best female players in the world, and then. Uh, Chinsu, as we, we refer to her as CCT, uh, that was her very first invitation and, and, and opportunity to play in an LPGA event in LA. So um, took a lot. She said it was tough. You know, I don't think she played uh, all to what she was hoping for, but we talked about what you learn and she learned a lot from that week. So those, those three are our three returners from last year. Um, they have that experience of what it takes in a national championship and for them to have that that experience playing in such high level events uh, this late in the spring is really going to pay off as we move forward. Chad here with head coach of the women's golf pro of Oregon, Derek Radley, as the women get set to head out here for the PAC 12 championships uh, down in Arizona. Uh, we'll get to the courses in a little bit, but it's always interesting coaching, being a team coach for such an individual sport. A lot of these women have their own swing coaches and, uh, you know, we're used to seeing the individuals on the professional tours. They have trainers, they have swing coaches, they have new, you know, you name it. How do you then bring it all together as the coach of a team and try to balance uh, being there individually versus the team concept of what you need to go out and do to accomplish uh, goals? That's a, that's a great point, but I, you know, <laughs> golf is, is difficult in that way, right? In that we never actually pass the ball to each other. <laughs> so, when we're out there, it's it's just you. However, um, we stress from day one of the season the connection um, that that you need to have as a team and and a supporting teammate, um, a positive teammate, um, a caring teammate, 
And, you know, it's, it's easy to see. I think the teams that, that really make it far in the national championship are the ones that have great culture. And so that is something that is of the utmost importance that could put it at the forefront. Um, when you see us play, as soon as one of our players finishes a hole, they will turn around no matter what score they got. They will turn around and throw a big hand in the air and wave uh, to their, their, their teammate behind them. So that energy feeds off each other. Uh, body language is something we really stress about how you carry yourself on the golf course because your other teammates see that. And so we want to be positive. We want to be high energy and we want to walk with confidence. And so that's something we really stress and uh, try to bring that team environment together as much as possible. Now, the Pac-12 championships uh, down in Phoenix, Papago Golf Course, the national championships are going to be in Scottsdale. Uh, you obviously coached down there for a number of years. Is there a benefit to some familiarity with these courses? Yeah, I think so. I'm thankful for my, for my six years at, uh, at Arizona. Uh, my wife is actually born and raised in, in Tucson. She played professional golf for eight years. So uh, I had a lot of experience in desert golf. And, um, you know, last year, the national championship was at Greyhawk and, and this is uh, it's going to be back there again this year. So I feel like I know every inch of that place. Um, biggest, the biggest challenge I think for our ducks is as, as we go down, just making sure that they hydrate and uh, you know, we, we put umbrellas up on their push carts to provide some shade so that they can uh, you know, feel okay and, and, and keep their energy levels up in the heat. Um, but we actually played Papago uh, golf course, which is the home of uh, Arizona state, uh, their, their, their golf teams there. So we played there in the regular season event a couple of weeks ago and the Pac-12 championship is actually going to be hosted on that same golf course. So we kind of had a free go around, uh, of the golf course. It's, um, it's pretty straightforward. The, the greens are huge. So speed putting is going to be really important. We've been stressing that a lot, working on, uh, you know, our 30, 40, 50 footers, trying to lag them close. And, and then obviously, um, the elevation and the temperature change, realizing that our golf ball is going to go further. So trying to get those numbers dialed in um, exactly so we can have a lot of birdie opportunities. Well, uh, you hope it's a very successful long stretch here over the next month uh, to the NCAA championships for a return trip. But then your summer got a lot busier. You were named the head coach for the women's team uh, for the Arnold Palmer Cup, which is a Ryder Solheim Cup style tournament amongst uh, the top collegiate players. And, uh, but the tough part is, is you're on the American side, so a couple of players you're familiar with may not be available to you. You might be going up against them. That's right. We had two Ducks uh, actually compete for Team International last year in Switzerland for the Arnold Palmer Cup. It was the first time ever that, that we had two Ducks compete in, in that uh, wonderful opportunity. And, yeah, I got a phone call uh, a few months back um, saying I was a finalist for the head coach, and it really kind of caught me off guard. I was beyond thankful and then uh and then they told me that i actually uh i was selected so just so excited my wife sarah and i actually named our oldest we have three kiddos and we named our oldest palmer so i i've always thought the world of mr palmer um and his values and what he stood for and this this legacy and tradition that, that he does for this event it's actually going to be june 8th 9th and 10th uh in latrobe pennsylvania which is where arnold grew up so there's a lot of, uh, of uh, really special history there. It's going to be the top 48 college players. So there's 24 men and 24 uh, uh, ladies, uh, 12 Americans, um, and, then, and then 12 international, both from the men and women. So, um, 
just this past week, we had our very first uh, committee meeting. Excited to be a part of that as we start to narrow down the selections. And then on April 25th on Golf Channel, everybody can check out. They're going to name uh, the, the the 12 ladies um, that will uh, be on, on my team for the R.O. Palmer Cup, as well as the, the men as well. So just super excited, thankful for the opportunity. And, you know, fortunately, I feel like I know I know a lot of the top players from the recruiting trail, just from competition. And so I, I can't wait to be there. We're going to have a lot of fun. Well, we're looking forward to that. We're looking forward to the Pac-12 championships uh, coming up this week. The Pac-12, one of the strongest uh, conferences when it comes to golf, both men and women. Uh, what are the expectations going in, and uh, who are you expecting to see lead the way for your team here this week? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, last year was uh, was really special. Um, we won the Pac-12 championship first time in, in, in Oregon women's golf history as a team. Uh, Cynthia Liu won as an individual at, at Eugene Country Club here, and so we're excited to go down and defend our title. I think every time we tee it up now, you know, we have an expectation. We want to give, be there on that final round to have a chance to win. And uh, I think we're the second-ranked team uh, in the conference, Stanford being number one. They've had an incredible year. They've, they've really led uh, much as they did last year, so they're going to be tough to beat. And I think Arizona State, too, on their home course is going to be going to be difficult, but you know, our, our conference is so strong, especially in women's golf. So uh, we need to bring our best, know that every shot counts. And, uh, you know, I, I'm really leaning on our three returners from last year. Uh, again, Cynthia Lou, Brianna Chacon, and, and Chin Su Chen to, to lead the way and, uh, and show the newbies what it's all about and how to walk with confidence during, during the times that mean the most. Well, we're looking forward to it. Uh, Derek Radley, head coach of the women's golf program down at uh, Oregon. Best of luck uh, this week and hopefully the next few weeks following and uh, hopefully a, a long run here uh, in the spring to the NCAA championships. Thanks so much for joining us, and uh, we'll hopefully catch up with you down the road. Sounds great. Thanks, Jason, for having me. Go Ducks. There you go, Derek Radley uh, with the UW, or University of Oregon women's golf program. Also should be noted, when he was at Arizona as the assistant coach, one of his uh, prize players was Gigi Stoll uh, from here in Beaverton, and she won recently on the Epson Tour, trying to make her way to the LPGA Tour. So congratulations to Gigi. Uh, she is now third on the uh, money list on the Epson Tour. That's the feeder tour, and so if she can stay in that top 10, she will earn an LPGA uh, card for next season. We'll keep an eye on that. Hopefully we can catch up with Gigi. That tour does swing through Oregon this summer. They come to Wild Horse Casino out in Pendleton in August, so uh, you'll have a chance to uh, head on out there. Hopefully she'll be in position uh, to earn that card. You're going to say something, Will? No, it's popping my boom in. Oh, well, keep that to yourself. Uh, we still have Jared Lambert, uh, the head pro out at Astoria Golf and Country Club, going to join us at 845. Some tips on how to practice and prepare for playing in wet conditions. It doesn't look like the rain's going away anytime soon here in the Northwest. When we come back, though, a little business of golf. The PGA Tour released its fall schedule. We'll let you know how that works and a little thought on these designated events as we're starting to see some of the fallout. We make the turn. Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan. Which new driver is best for your game? Who makes the best golf gear? Where should you take your next golf vacation? Which local course should you get to know better? This is the business of golf. Every week on Golf in the Northwest on 1080, The Fan. 
836 here this morning, Golf of the Northwest Center in St. Following us and then NBA playoff action, Knicks and Cavs at 230. Uh, and we'll have uh, more NBA playoff action tomorrow here on the fan, 1130. Uh, Grizzlies and Lakers game one. It is that season. Uh, earlier in the week, the PGA Tour announced how the new fall setup will be. They are going back to uh, their original old school format of the season, starting with the Tournament of Champions in Kapalua. Uh, for previous season winners, they've added a few more people to the field. It's a designated event. Then they go to the Sony Open, and then they come to the States uh, down at La Quinta at the American Express. And they will go through the FedEx Cup playoffs and end right around Labor Day weekend, the start. So there will still be a fall. FedEx Cup fall begins. There is now seven tournaments. They've narrowed it down. It'll start with the Fortnite Championship at Napa, Silverado there. Uh, and it will go until just before Thanksgiving. They'll take a little break for the Ryder Cup or the President's Cup. Um, the Zozo Championship is in there. Sanderson Farms, uh, the Shriners Children Open, that's in Las Vegas. Um, they will be uh, the Worldwide Technology Championship uh, staying in Mexico. They're moving to a Tiger Woods course now. Uh, spot in Bermuda and then the RSM Classic in uh, Sea Island, Georgia will wrap things up. Uh, but this will be a chance. Not only can you get an exemption, get your, you know, winners will still get the two-year exemption. They'll get into the Players' Championship. They'll qualify for whatever majors go along with that, usually the Masters, uh, maybe spot in the PGA Championship. Uh, But they'll also be able to improve their spot for uh, people 50th and below on the points list from the previous year, they'll keep those points rolling through so they can improve their uh, spot eligibility-wise, trying to maybe get in some of the designated events that will happen in 2024. And then in December, they've got a couple of these challenge sorts of things, which are not official PGA events. You don't get FedEx Cup points, but um tigers hero world challenge they have the grant thornton invitational which is brand new that's going to be a combination of the pga tour and the lpga tour very much looking forward to that and then the pnc father-son championship in december that's always fun we're watching uh charlie uh woods now start to uh see if he can take over the mantle from tiger but It's all about now getting your eligibility status high enough to get into these designated events where the purses are huge, 15 to 25 million bucks. The only issue we're seeing, there was a question Rory McIlroy did not play this week because part of the thing with the designated events and having these smaller fields, some of them might be no cut. Um, They want the top 20, 25 players all there. They're required to be there if they want to take advantage of that player impact pool money uh, that's a combination of their performance and their worldwide reach through social media and other sorts of uh, measurables, data points. Um, And so they got this big pool of money. I would like to see that become less and less a thing. And if you're going to have these designated events, I would say let's not have them right after a major. I know some of these tournaments, you know, want to make sure that they get at least some sort of field and maybe they'll move the designated events or a handful of them around. There'll be a rotation every year. So every by every third or fourth year, every tournament that's on the PGA Tour schedule will get to have a designated or get one of those designated events. 
uh, so they can feel like they have it. And that's important for the sponsors. They don't want to be one of the other tournaments, the also-rans, and never see some of the top players. I would advocate for the PGA Tour giving a week off after the majors. I don't know if they can do it. Uh, the schedule's pretty tight, but I certainly would not have a designated event. Those guys, they're usually playing a week or two ahead of and want to gear up for the majors, everything that goes into it, all the media commitments. Um, they, they need a break. Uh, the The game of golf is as big a messes with your mind as any sport that there is. Um, and those that perform well put a lot into it. They just let's if we're going to have designated events, yeah. let's make sure everybody's at their best and everybody can and wants to be there for them. Having them the week after a major does not work well with that. Well, I think the one thing that makes golf similar in such to like baseball is the rhythm of the game. Now, maybe not because of the rule changes they've made in baseball with the pitch clock and everything, and it's starting to speed up a little bit, but that uh, for the most part, it is a leisurely game. It is something that you watch, but uh, you more experience than you react to uh, unless of course it's the masters or you know the final round of a very important tournament and so what you're suggesting is something where you have an off season something that's designated and i don't think that that fits very well with how people follow golf i think you follow golf yeah. as it goes all year because well, it's something that's passive you follow of course yeah. again i'm taking majors out of that equation but like, if you put it off season, I think maybe one thing that golf would worry about is, well, this is already a passively watching sport. If we take X amount of months off, what's going to happen? Well, they're already doing that because they tried the whole wraparound thing and they're working backwards from it. So now you've got this fall schedule. It's just seven events. Um, and they don't expect the top 50 players aren't expected to show up at these things. They've already earned their status for the following season based on their performance. So they're working back from it. Um, and so you give some other guys some opportunities, but yeah, the NFL just destroys them, uh, come fall, which is why everything wraps up. Now the playoffs are shortened. Those will be wrapped up by Labor Day. They can get out of the way of football and then restart up in January and build towards, uh, you know, kind of the players in March there is where it really starts to, to kick in. So we'll keep an eye on that. Again, we'll wait and to see when the 2024 FedEx Cup season schedule gets released later this summer. When we come back, time to talk to the head golf pro at Astoria Golf and Country Club, Jared Lambert, uh, native Oregonian, grew up in Central Oregon and is now the head pro out at Astoria. Want to get his thoughts on how to utilize this wet weather, how to practice in it, how to prepare if you're going out playing in your uh, club event or something competitive and how to get the most and adjust your game to be able to score well in the wet conditions. They're not going away anytime soon. We'll do that when we return. It's Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan. This is Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan. 846 here this morning, wrapping things up. And uh, even though we get a little uh, reprieve, some sunshine uh, this weekend, it looks like more rain is in the forecast uh, it is warming up, so it's a little bit more tolerant to be out there. But uh, with what we saw at the Masters, what we've been dealing with here, 
I thought it'd be appropriate to, to try and give everybody a little bit of help out there, how to prepare, how to practice, take advantage of the wet conditions, a little bit of rain to go out and practice in. And so joining us now on the line, head golf professional out of the story of golf and country club, Jared Lambert. Uh, he is a, a local golfer, grew up uh, an all-state golfer at Redmond High School, three-time all-conference at Corbin University down in the Valley uh, joining us now. Good morning. Now, are you still down at uh, Chambers this uh, this week? Uh, no, no. We got back last night. Uh, uh, man, you did your homework, Jason. That was impressive. I wasn't expecting that. Uh, no, we're all. I'm professional here on the radio, not on the range. On the radio, I'm all professional. So, um, but uh, first of all, what courses did you guys play? I know you had a big pro am, and uh, like we have to ask or whatever. How's Bandon? It was. It was amazing. Um, you know, it was. It was sunny with no wind, which never happens. So we were absolutely thrilled for the three days that we were there. Uh, we played at Old Mac, um, and then we played Trails, and then Banded Dunes, the original. So it was just a fabulous three days of golf, and just totally scored with the weather. Did you finish in some money? Uh, yeah, I finished second. There you um, go. Three days, I was six under and lost by one. So it was to uh, to Craig Crandall out of Rock Creek, who's a who's a hell of a player. So. Um, yeah, I put some good scores together and then had a good time. Well, there you go. So six under down at Bandon playing three courses. So this man knows what he's talking about. But we saw, we all saw the Masters. We saw the weather kind of put a damper on things. And all we heard about was, okay, you've got to adjust. The ball doesn't fly as far. How it's going to react. You're not going to get rollout on the fairways, all that sort of stuff. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, okay, I don't have three coaches. I don't have a track man. It's still raining here in the Northwest. So... When I go out, if if you're playing in your local club or, you know, you just want to go out and enjoy it, what sort of things do I need to do uh, to know how to make adjustments in my own game, whatever level it's at? How do you want to go out and not be afraid to practice in the rain and the wet conditions to so you get a sense of it? Yeah, and it's, it's an especially appropriate question for this year. Um, we've been particularly wet and cold. Um, all spring, so it's something that we've all had to make those adjustments for. Um, you know, and I'd say there's there's things that are going to change within the ball flight, and then there's things that you can you can change in your preparation. So one of the biggest things that I've found that's helped me this year is is paying attention to my hands. Warm hands and dry hands are going to make a way way bigger difference than most most people would think. Um, so as, as silly as it sounds and looks, uh, get a warm pair of mittens and put hand warmers in them because that is going to make you so much more comfortable over every shot. Um, nothing worse than hitting one a little bit thin and feeling a shock up in your hands and not really having that feedback of the golf club and knowing where the face is at. Um, so that's preparation. Um, then you've just got to adjust for the conditions that are, what the conditions are going to do to the ball flight. So you're going to see reduced carry, reduced rollout. And since your body's going to be a little bit tighter, you're not going to be able to swing it as fast. So, a good rule of thumb is you're going to want to adjust if 70 degrees is your baseline, adjust three to 4% for every 10 degrees of drop in temperature. Um, so if it's 30 degrees cooler, so 40 degrees, you're probably going to see about a 10 to 11, 12% drop in your total yardage that you're hitting it. So most players don't hit enough club anyways. So you're going to have to make a pretty significant adjustment to how far you're hitting it and what club uh, you want to use. Um, 
And so, uh, so when you're at, and this is why I think it's good. Obviously, you want to make sure uh, the practice, whatever practice range you're at, you know the distances of those flags using those. So, do you go and maybe start with like a 150 yard flag or 125 yard flag, and then kind of just see which club gets it there easiest? Is that something that would be a good way to measure that if you don't have, you know, a TrackMan system or something like that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've got to just pay attention more. So, so know your yardages. Go out practice them, um, you know, become familiar with your, your winter numbers and your summer numbers and make the adjustment accordingly. I mean, even when it was, for example, uh, this, this week at Bandon, um, there was a shot uh, that was, you know, where after the temperature had dropped a little bit and the wind was going into my face, uh, from 150 yards, I hit a six iron and my sock six is usually about 180. And that can be scary to stand over a 150-yard shot and use a club that's typically goes 30 yards further. But um, after you become familiar with those numbers and, and you know um, after your practice session on the range, uh, paying attention to where the flag's at, where the ball's landing, um, once you once you know those numbers, you just you just got to commit to them. Chatting here with Jared Lambert, head pro out of Astoria Golf and Country Club. Now, uh, obviously. Um... What adjustments are you looking at? You know, if you're out there and and the ground is wet, it's soft. Um, let's say you normally take a pretty healthy divot with your swing. Uh, you're not going to want to do that. Ball's not going to go anywhere. What do you maybe need to do in setup or swing path or something like that to make sure you're catching the ball clean and not getting a lot of turf? Right. So, so I would say number one, choke down on the club a little bit. So. Uh, the priority is to hit ball first, and that's always the priority, but you're going to be punished way more harshly in soft, wet conditions. And so you really want to make sure that you're, that you're clipping the ball, um, ball first and then hitting the ground. And so if you're choking down on the club just a little bit, it's going to help you do that just a touch more. And the other thing that's um, prob- it's minor, but it's, it does make a difference, is that when the ground's soft and wet, you're going to be the weight of your body is going to be sinking into the grass just that little bit more. And so choking up on the club can help mitigate that just a little bit and help make that strike just a, a little bit cleaner and catch ball first. And then the other area, obviously around the greens, we know if you hit it in the rough or whatever, it, you know, you're need I don't know. You need a shovel probably to get it out of there. But <laughs> uh, the big one is if you get into the bunkers, uh, with wet sand, assuming the bunkers are maintained, you know, your course is maintaining them during wet weather. There's not puddles right. or anything in there. But how does wet sand, what adjustments do you need to make with the wet sand versus normal sand? So number one, you're going to need to adjust the loft of the club and how you're using the bounce at setup. So you're in, in normal sand conditions, you'd want to open the face just a little bit to help get the ball out of the bunker in wet conditions what that's going to do is it's going to cause the bottom of the club to skip off of the the wet sand because when the sand gets wet it's going to be a little bit firmer and so you're going to want to use more of a square face um, at a dress to help the club dig through the sand just that little bit more and then once the ball comes out what you're going to need to expect is more skips uh, initially so it's going to skip off of the wet surface of the green but then you're actually going to see more spin later on, um, which can be really fun. So if you want to hit some some cool-looking spinners, go practice out of a wet bunker. And that's the main thing is don't be afraid of the wet weather. Take advantage of it. You know, obviously not when it's pouring, but when we get that northwest, it's just that constant drizzle. 
Uh, and the other thing, obviously, you're going to be in wet, weir- wet weather gear, rain gear. Go get used to swinging golf clubs with all that gear on because you won't have the range of motion. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a big, big consideration. Uh, well, it's been, uh, I, we could go on and on. Hopefully we'll have to have you back, uh, here in a little bit, but we're running out of time. Jared Lambert, uh, head golf pro out of the story of golf and country club, which you ever have the chance to play. It's one of the hidden gems out on the Oregon coast. Go say hi to Jared. Uh, for people, uh, is there, are there a good website or, um, any sort of tips or places you like to send people? That's, uh, some good advice that they can go online. Uh, there's there's a lot, but I would say uh, check out uh, a number of, of creators on YouTube. Find one that works for you. So, um, you know, YouTube and Instagram has a lot of really good content out there, but it's it's not all going to apply to everybody. So, find somebody that uh, that speaks to your golf game and and stick with them. Uh, don't don't get any too many mixed messages. Is what I what I would say to that. Obviously, and wherever you're playing, we always advise you go talk to your local pros. They can help you get started <clears throat> in the right direction, set up a good plan for you, uh, and take a look and and understand your body, your swing, and where your game's at. Uh, always good to have a good solid practice uh, plan through them. Jared, thank you so much for uh, joining us here this morning. Glad you played well out of Bandon, and uh, hopefully we'll catch up with you later this summer. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. There you go, Jared Lambert out at Astoria Golf and Country Club. Uh, That will wrap it up for us. A a busy hour. Uh, We'll dive right back into it next week. We'll talk a little bit about the PGA Hope uh, program going on and the efforts to connect uh, and provide some some help and services to our veterans through the game of golf. Center and Saint is up next. Uh, thanks to Derek Radley from the Oregon Women's Golf Program. Thanks to Jared Lambert as well. As always, uh, thanks to Will here, our producer in studio. We will talk to you next week. Take advantage of the dry weather today. I'm Jason. Hit them straight. Everything's starting to just come left. Which five am I putting out right. to, to score? Look, I'm I'm in the rough quite a bit. So yeah, you are careening into tough spots. <laughs> you know how easy I am. Yeah, uh, I know. <laughs> Fiji's in Europe. Uh,